Hey, folks. This week, my friend and former United States Attorney for the Northern District of Alabama, Joyce Vance, joined Ann Milgram and me on a new episode of Cafe Insider. We had plenty of news to discuss. Last week, President Trump reportedly considered appointing special counsels to investigate election fraud and Hunter Biden's taxes. On Monday, in his final press conference as Attorney General, Bill Barr said that he didn't think special counsels were necessary, contradicting President Trump. Meanwhile, there are questions about the political independence of Barr's replacement, Jeff Rosen, a longtime corporate lawyer and Republican political appointee who has no prosecutorial experience. And federal officials announced that the U.S. government was targeted as part of a massive cyber attack allegedly orchestrated by Russia. Joyce, Ann, and I discuss all this and more on the Cafe Insider podcast. Today, we're sharing a clip from the episode with listeners of Stay Tuned. To hear our full conversation and access all other Cafe Insider content, try the membership free for two weeks. You can do that at cafe.com slash insider. That's cafe.com slash insider. College students with a valid.edu email can head to cafe.com slash student and sign up at a lower rate. Again, that's cafe.com slash student. We look forward to having you as a part of the insider community. So there's this crazy meeting reported on by multiple sources in, in the Oval Office itself, right? Attended by the President of the United States, Sidney Powell, his lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, various aides, including the White House counsel, Pat Cipollone, uh, and I think Michael Flynn, who he pardoned some time ago. And there was a discussion about whether or not martial law could be invoked and whether or not Sidney Powell should be made a special counsel over election, fr- election fraud. And there are divisions, according to the reports, with most people siding against Sidney Powell, including, including Rudy Giuliani. So my first question to the two of you is, when there is a fight and an argument substantively between Rudy Giuliani and Sidney Powell, who should win that? First, I need to know whether this is a Saturday Night Live setup or an actual real news story, right? Yeah. Alec Baldwin was also there. <laughs> I mean, it's just unbelievable that this is the kind of legal advice that the president of the United States is taking. And I think at, at some level, it's laughable and it's funny. But what it really is, is pathetic that when the president doesn't get or doesn't like the advice that he gets from competent people, he just replaces them with lawyers who are on the fringes. That's that's really who Trump is and, and how he should be thought about. And it's so telling that Giuliani, even this is a step too low for him, right? And he's been a He's been a lawyer for the president and a loyalist. He's like, no, that's that's a crazy idea. I should also point out that there are two things. One is that it's very clear that the people in that room who did not agree with Sidney Powell and Michael Flynn basically saying, you know, you should declare martial law, you should seize the voting machines, that those folks, that people who who oppose these ideas, they immediately went to the press. I mean, as you say, pre like this was reported in multiple in multiple news organizations. And so it was clear that they were were trying to put that sunlight onto it. But the other piece that really troubled me is that it was also reported that Giuliani called the Department of Homeland Security and talked with Ken Cuccinelli, um, who's you know one of the senior leaders there, to ask if DHS could impound voting machines. And Cuccinelli rightly said no, DHS isn't authorized to do it. But even the fact that the president has his outside lawyer calling a senior executive in the Department of Homeland Security to say, can you can you basically go take from states those voting machines is really, really disturbing. And the weird thing to me is you have these people who I think have been somewhat bad actors in the past. 
That includes Ken Cuccinelli. That includes the White House counsel, Pat Cipollone. That includes the Attorney General, Bill Barr, who have, I think, said and done things that we have criticized and have enabled the president in various ways. And on this stuff, on the eve of the president having to leave office, you know, these are the guys who are saying, yeah, you know, that thing, that's a step too far. We're not seizing any machines, no martial law. I mean, the AG, let's talk about this for a second and talk about all of it together. We're recording this on Tuesday morning, December 22nd. I believe Bill Barr's last day is tomorrow. And in the last two days, he has contradicted the president on a number of things, including saying with respect to the hack that we'll talk about, it was almost certainly done by the Russians. He's not appointing a special counsel for Hunter Biden. He's not appointing a special counsel for election fraud. And there's no basis to seize these voting machines. So on his way out, he's doing and saying some of the right things. I think, Joyce, I saw you on television yesterday characterizing that in a particular way. But you know, what do you think is going on at the end of the term when people who were so enabling of the president in many ways are now putting their foot down, at least with respect to the most recent wild requests? You know, I have to jump in, though, and say it's pretty weak sauce, right? It's not like these people are standing up, defending democracy, expressing outrage at the thought of trying to engage the military or, or take, you know, voting machines into custody. It's sort of a very quiet no, a very quiet pushback against the president at a point in time where I think what Americans need to hear from their leaders and particularly from these folks around the president who know better, that this isn't normal, that it's not acceptable, that it's antithetical to how our government works. So the fact that Bill Barr sort of at the 11th hour discovers that the world is round and, and says that is not all that impressive to me, right? I mean, it's it's clear that there's no rationale for appointing a special counsel when there's no conflict of interest with DOJ investigating. And look, Preet, you and I were both around. The John Edwards investigation started before uh, the Obama Justice Department came into place. There was a Republican U.S. attorney in North Carolina who was running that investigation. He continued into the Obama investigation and took that sort of ill-fated um, case, you know, which, which ultimately didn't result in a conviction, but he carried it through to indictment and did it. And there's, there's just no reason here to talk about a special counsel. So Bill Barr saying, well, not now, we're not there yet, is, is pretty weak sauce. Yeah, it sort of falls under the category of you don't get points for doing the right thing. And this is definitely one of those examples where, but it, it's also such a sign of where we are in our country that I think we all felt a little relief yesterday when Barr said it. And and so, you know, again, like, I think Joyce is right. Like, there's no basis for a special counsel on election fraud. There's no basis for a special counsel on, on Hunter Biden, right? And so I, I agree with all that, but I also, I, I did feel a little relief yesterday and a little bit, well, at least Barr is saying what we know is true, but yet some people need to hear it, I think, from him, that the president is really gone so far beyond anything that's democratic and fair. And and the, th the other point I would just make is like, I keep going back to the fact that people are saying no, but Joyce is right. I think you're right that they're saying it quietly. But it's also like just the fact that the president is trying to do this and that people are pushing for this when, again, there's no evidence of election fraud, systemic election fraud, to then go out and have a special counsel. It's just, it's really disturbing to me that we've come so far into such a polarized universe that like, this is the framing of the conversation that Barr has to actually go out and say no. Yeah, look, I, I think it's no longer true 
that Trump is just trying to create a narrative. I think he is trying to create a narrative about how the election was stolen from him. But I think he's also trying to see if it's possible, hope against hope, to stay in office. And there are crazy people, and I think we can call Sidney Powell along those lines. There are people who are gonna, who are telling him, you can take the election back. And he's listening to them because he's hoping it may be true. And it's a measure, and I agree with everything you said, Joyce, about how it's weak sauce, but it's a measure, I think, of how crazy the newest requests and, and steps are that these erstwhile allies of the president are saying no. I want to drill down for a moment on one of the special counsel issues, Sidney Powell. I mean, I don't know quite what that means. Do we all agree that to be a special counsel with the powers and authorities and privileges that come with that job, like, like Bob Mueller had, that is an appointment made by the attorney general pursuant to particular regulations. And if Bill Barr doesn't do it, and he said he wouldn't, and if the incoming acting attorney general doesn't do it, Jeff Rosen, then, then I guess it's the case that the president could give someone, a, he can give someone a title if he wants, any title he wants. And if he chose to say, you know, three days from now, you read in the news, Sidney Powell has been appointed special counsel on election fraud, but that appointment is made by the president himself. You know, what does that mean? She wouldn't have grand jury authority. She wouldn't have, you know, other compulsory process. She wouldn't have anything. She would just be a figurehead, right? So if, if you read about that in a few days, should people be worried or not? You know, it seems that she's more likely to become the White House counsel than anything else at this point. <laughs> Although Rosen is sort of the wild card here, right? Yeah. We don't really know what he's inclined to do. The reality, though, you know, pre I mean, there's not a lot of time left on this administration. And so let's say Trump, who's so respectful of the rules, appoints her special counsel in some crazy way. I'm not sure that she has a lot of time to do anything, particularly because there would be a lot of drag from from the courts, from people inside of justice, maybe right. from outside stakeholders. So we may be close enough to the finish line that it's not dangerous. I mean, it really, there really isn't a lot of time left. I mean, this week, I think, obviously, you know, it's a holiday week and next week as well. And people can be working, but I think a lot of, a lot sort of quiets for sort of a week and a half. And then, you know, January 1st, January 4th is the first Monday back. Like, it's really just a couple weeks until Biden will be sworn in. I do wonder about Rosen, though, right? Because, you know, Barr, Bill Barr had suggested he come in as the deputy AG. He's a longtime civil lawyer. He doesn't have criminal prosecution experience. Um, you know, he's done antitrust work. And so I wonder, you know, it's a really interesting moment. The president is going to put pressure on him, I think, like nobody's business, right? And so, like, Bill Barr says this shouldn't happen, and he's sort of setting the table. But now it's Jeff Rosen's table. And so I, I am curious to see where he goes with it and what he does and whether or not he stands up to the president. And I will confess, guys, I was like, is it possible the president would fire him? <laughs> like, is it possible to be fired as AG or told to step down with like three days left in the term? Like, you know, anything is possible. So I, I guess the question is, you know, how, how Rosen plays it and whether he's strong or whether he, whether he caves. And if he caves, whether or not he's able to turn the apparatus of the Justice Department to that effect. And I, I really don't think he will be able to with the amount of time left and with how, you know, the lawyers at DOJ know that there's another boss coming in. We don't know who it will be yet, but but I feel like that does also change the way people in executive departments function. I think that's right. And, and I remember when Rosen was first nominated and the vibe inside of DOJ, but also among alums was, how do you take a guy who's never tried a criminal case 
who doesn't know anything about the criminal side of the operation and make him the DAG. And Preet, a friend of ours who was still at Justice then, but who's no longer there, said to me, well, he has really good managerial experience managing big organizations, and that's really all that a DAG needs. So our friend was comfortable with his nomination on that basis. To me, that seems to be an important skill for the DAG, but not the reason you you choose someone for that job. They have to really understand pressure, how to withstand pressure, integrity, and independence from the White House and, and other sorts of pressure. I agree with that. I think it feels to me like the DAG should always be a former prosecutor in a sense, because I think the most important thing you do is say no when you're a boss and to know, you know, when you push forward and when you, you know, don't. And I think it's just, it's really hard if you practice civil law your whole career to then be faced by, to make those decisions with pressure from the White House, with competing demands of law enforcement and prosecutors. It's just, it's really difficult. You know, so, so Bill Barr decided to leave like 27, 28 days before the end of the term, which is unusual. And and you and I talked about this last week. The one thing we didn't discuss as a potential reason is that maybe Bill Barr, unlike Jeff Sessions, has some modicum of self-respect such that, you know, why keep going to work when you're being yelled at by your boss publicly and humiliated and mocked and criticized? Do you think that has something to do with it? And dare we say it, would you be more comfortable at this point, given what Bill Barr is saying, with Bill Barr staying till the end versus Jeff Rosen? Well, things always seem to get worse with Trump, right? I mean, you think that, oh, Jeff Sessions is leaving DOJ. Maybe things will get better and then you get Matt <laughs> right, Whitaker. Yeah. But that said, this seems rosy and optimistic, Preet. And I, I think I'm, I'm ready for Bill Barr to leave the Justice Department. He's done enough damage to the institution um, that we love for one lifetime. Yeah, I think there's probably a reason that wasn't one of our options last week. <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't come to the top of either of our minds. Look, I think it's a mix of things. And one of them is, yeah, you know, if you're my, I mean, I, I remember saying this, and I said this on Stay Tuned last week. When Jeff Sessions was being criticized publicly, I asked one of the guests, I think it was Ben Wittes at the time, for how long would you continue to come to work if you were treated like that publicly by your boss? And both of our answers were, no, I would not come back to work tomorrow. So, you know, I wonder if that was that was part of what was going on. I don't know. You know, the reason I, I question that a little bit is that I think, yes, I think Bill Barr served the president, but I also think he has, he's had his own agenda of, you know, the power of the presidency and his own view of the world that he's executed, you know, day in and day out. And I think he's felt like, you know, the power of, I think he's wrong, but he's felt you know, a strong level of conviction about what he thinks the Department of Justice should be and how they should lawyer for the president. And so, I don't know. I just am not so sure that, that that's why he left. I, I would be more inclined to think it's because the president was really saber-rattling about firing him and that he did not want to go out fired or that he decided he'd done everything he wanted to do. It could also be, look, I mean, I, I will grant this, pre, like, it could also be that the president said, I want you to do a special counsel or I want you to do something, and they just were at loggerheads over it. And and that's the moment where Barr basically decided, like, I'm going to fight this out for the next four weeks. Right. And Barr probably said, no, I won't do that thing, I'll but I will write you a sycophantic love letter masquerading as a resignation letter that we um, we had some fun, fun with last week. Can we talk about the other special counsel issue? Yeah. And, and Joyce, I take your point that there's not necessarily a conflict of interest at this moment. But if the Delaware U.S. attorney continues with the investigation, Joe Biden takes office. Now you have a Joe Biden. 
Thanks for listening. To hear the full episode, head to cafe.com slash insider and try out the membership free for two weeks. Interested students with a valid.edu email can head to cafe.com slash student. To the many of you who have chosen to join the insider community, thank you for supporting our work.